Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. All right. Thank you very much, Russ. Uh, Indeed, uh, Matt Spiegel is on sabbatical as he's doing uh, yeoman's work uh, along with uh, Danny on our great uh, afternoon show this uh, last week. So Zach Zaidman in the house with me on Inside the Clubhouse. The number for Inside the Clubhouse is 312-644-6767. We need to know your thoughts on when baseball comes back, and we think it's for sure they will be back. Uh, whether uh, you are looking at the game the same way that you normally would. Is 60 games and experimental baseball with starting the runners at second base, tie games uh, being part of the game, re-entering games uh, after going out, uh, will that be enough to entice you to be interested in watching a full 60 to 64 game season and a playoff season that would include 16 of the 30 teams going into a postseason. Again, 312-644-6767. That's our number for inside the clubhouse. Now, Bruce, this hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Bruce, I think the most interesting thing about this year, if they do get underway, is even if they reach an agreement, we're not talking about a lot of games. So that cheapens the regular season, and baseball throughout its history has always been judged by the importance of the regular season. So because of that, that's your baseline right there. And because the regular season is cheapened, why not experiment and see if some of the things that you do this year might ultimately help grow the game over the full course of a 162-game season. That's why I, I think as long as there is baseball in 2020, I'm not worried about uh, the traditional style of play. I think most people, considering how boring it's been without sports, take advantage of the fact that uh, you can do some things this year that you would never have a chance to experiment with during a real regular season. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, good. I'm all for a change, you know, if, if that's what they want. But, you know, these things should be experimental, you know, during um, spring training. They should be experimental in the minor leagues. Some of it has been done in a lower level minor leagues. But to just, you know, I, I'm opposed to throwing all this garbage at me at once when all I want back, Zach, and I can't speak for anybody but but myself, all I want back is the game and the game that I know. I don't want a bunch of uh, a trial and error type things 
that you're that's foisted on me after waiting all this time to see a regular season. So I, I'm in the minority, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Again, 312-644-6767. But I don't want experiments with the very valuable 60 games that are going to be left in this season. It's going to be hard enough to get my head around watching starting pitchers going two to three innings, uh, watching uh, teams have bullpens that extends out to um, 9, 10, 11, 12 relief pitchers, um, getting used to top prospects in baseball being part of a major league season a year or two or three ahead of their timetable. Uh, it, there, there's enough to get used to in a shortened season uh, than starting runners at second base and giving a team a disadvantage uh, because the other team hadn't earned it just to get the game over with. Um, to me, that's, that's total, totally alien to what baseball is all about. Yeah, I, I think the way I look at it, Bruce, if, if there's any semblance of baseball in 2020, that's enough for me. And then I don't have a problem with experimenting because I think as we've learned, just to get to this point, the business of baseball has dominated the storylines and the business of baseball still goes into effect, even if they play, because you're competing with the NBA playoffs, with the NHL playoffs, with the start of college football and the NFL. And since the season is going to be short anyway, why not uh, find out? If you, through experimentation, can begin to implement some things going forward. See, they're, they're going to use the DH in both leagues. No one's complaining. There was a time when the DH was first implemented back in the 70s. People threw their hands up. That's not baseball. I, I think the game has been very resilient to the changes that have been incorporated over the years. This is just an opportunity to for the first time maybe in big league history, try some of these things uh, in regular season action, uh, unlike ever before, where you don't have to go through spring training trials and minor league trials in order to see if stuff works. Yeah, you and I are not going to agree on that. Uh, I, I'm all for these changes being tried out, but not not thrown at me in a, in a, in a shortened season where the games are so essential and I miss – the quality of that play. I don't want to see. Uh, I don't want to see Ian Happ come out of the game in the second inning and then come up and be able to pinch hit again in the yeah. eighth or ninth inning and win the game. I, that's that's just too much of a difference for me to get used to in a shortened season. So we'll we'll agree to disagree on that. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. That's our number for inside the clubhouse. He's Zach. I'm Bruce. We're here for you talking baseball every Saturday from 9 to 11 on Inside the Clubhouse. And uh, Zach, uh, some interesting things from Kenny Williams and Theo Epstein yesterday as part of a panel on MLB television. Uh, certainly Kenny uh, came out and spoke earlier in the week about some of his trials and tribulations. Theo was uh, certainly upfront about hiring diversity. So let's get to that. Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's, it's unquestioned that more diversity is needed um, in, in all circles of baseball. But yes, in, in the front office, uh, among decision makers, leadership, ownership circles, 
uh, scouts, African-Americans underrepresented there as well, managers, general managers at all circles. And, and I think a lot of people in my position, including me, when it's time to make a key hire, whether you can admit it to yourself or not, you fall back on the comfort of selecting somebody with a similar background to yourself, somebody who looks like you, maybe even someone who thinks like you and talks like you. It's really the worst thing you can do um, to, to, to be effective because you need diversity of thought and you need diversity of experience and, and, and true diversity. Um, but that's the reality. And I think that's, that's an element of a, of a systemic problem. Yeah, so Zach, uh, you know, the, the idea that uh, Theo Epstein is so transparent and so much in the front of uh, that change must take place, and it has to begin with him uh, because he is in a powerful situation. He can do something about hiring different people. He can do something about looking for qualified people, and there's got to be tons out there of diverse uh, colors and creeds. So uh, I think I applaud him more than anything at this point in time for stepping up and uh, pointing a finger at himself and moving on, even though he has had hired uh, people of color in significant positions along the way in Boston and Chicago. I think the greatest sign of change ahead, and we talked about this with Gary Matthews earlier, Bruce, is if the people in positions of power are willing to change and have these extremely uncomfortable conversations like Theo just discussed. That's how you take the, the, the thought and that's how you take the ideas and that's how you take the listening and turn them into action. And I think that to me is the most encouraging thing about all of this going forward is that when you have guys who have been as successful in the game as Theo has been, uh, willing to look inside and make change, I think it'll spur others around the game to make change. And ultimately, you'll see the kind of uh, diverse changes that not just baseball, but all sports really need to, I think, move forward the right way. 312-644-6767 is the phone number here on Inside the Clubhouse. Out to the phones we go. Let's say good morning to Rudy in Schaumburg. Hi, Rudy. You're on the score. Hey, a couple of questions. I'm 72 years old. Over breakfast this morning, we were discussing the baseball, just like you were saying. And Bruce, I got to say, I'm completely shocked with your attitude and what your philosophy is because, hey, Anything that can good, that's good can come out of this. So a guy starts at second base, maybe we can use that next year for extra inning games. The point is, you don't need to expedite the season this stuff. Baseball's slow enough as it's been through years. If it comes through this year, some of the things that they're showing, maybe we can use next year. Hey, we're all for it. I mean, we're, we're traditionalists. And then the other part of what you said really shocked the heck out of me is, hey, you know, the old stereotype 15 years ago, quarterback needed three years of seasoning before he could start. A guy doesn't need three years in the minors before he starts, and he's not going to be mentally distraught if he doesn't make it. Maybe we'll get a couple of people out of that that can do something less than three years. So I think what you're saying is, is wrong. I think what we're going to get, and you're talking about a guy who's 72 years old, we're going to get good things coming out of this. And I certainly, and my friends over breakfast this morning who are on their 70s, certainly have no issue with what they're trying to implement in the short season. Well, that's a great. That's great to hear that from you. And again, uh, thank you for your opinion. It means a lot because my opinion is just that. It's nothing more than that. <clears throat> I just think the uh, the added added parts um, 
maybe baseball and maybe you as uh, great fans of the game think it'll add to the entertainment. Uh, for me, I would just like to see 60 baseball games played and, and not have to try to get used to uh, new elements. But Zach, he makes some great points. And, uh, you know, again, it depends on uh, your customer and what you want to consume. I think every sport, Bruce, has, and we're talking about football, basketball, hockey, every sport over the years has made necessary changes to adjust to the times. Baseball has too. We just don't talk about it nearly enough where they, sometimes they raise the mound, sometimes they lower the mound, sometimes they change what kind of ball they use. I'm not talking about the PED era. That's a, a completely different situation. Uh, you know, they've changed the, the ballparks around, made them a lot smaller, which changes the game. And when you do all of that, I don't have a problem with implementing some of the changes that have been discussed in this year, because I think everyone understands this is a unique year and the virus is controlling you. You're not controlling the virus. The virus is controlling you. You're seeing it today. For example, at 3.30 this afternoon on the score, you're going to hear the Belmont Stakes. Usually this would be the last leg of the Triple Crown. Instead, it's the first. Now, does horse racing want to do that? Will there be an asterisk uh, next to next to this year's uh, Triple Crown races? Of course, but the reality is that's just what you're forced to do because of the situation uh, that you're in due to the virus. And I think baseball is in the same boat when it comes to that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's, you know, things like tie games, um, Things like re-entry, uh, they're, they're so diverse. Um, it's worth trying, but again, everything has its time and place. So we can disagree about whether this is the time or place, <clears throat> excuse me, Zach, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to, um, to move forward on change. But uh, like uh, Rudy said, this is the ideal time because it's only 60 games and you can get a sense for whether it works or not or whether the fans like it or not. It's a litmus test. So I, I have to be open to that. I mean, my opinion doesn't count for anything other than it being my opinion. I just think that uh, I'd like to see traditional baseball this year. But when you think about it and you do have a, a trunca truncated season ahead, uh, maybe it is the ideal time to time it, uh, try it. I don't, I don't really know about that. All I can tell you is um, I look at, 60 games is an exhibition year, and maybe you can try whatever you want in it. Because I personally will take it seriously when it moves to the playoffs. But for 60 games where teams get off to a bad start and go 1-10 and, and they're done, uh, for me, that's not a real baseball season. Right. And because of that, if it, you're, what you're saying is there's going to be an asterisk next to whoever wins the, the 2020 World Series if we get to a point where we can play one. So I totally understand what you're saying. And because of that, there is no more of a perfect time to experiment in the regular season due to the fact that even if they play traditionally from the get-go, there's nothing traditional about this upcoming season. You know what? I, I want to I wanna find out what one of the, the new age bright young minds in Major League Baseball, what are you trying to say? Booths. What are you trying to say? Uh, think you're trying to I, say I, that uh, my opinion is old and dated. No, I'm trying to say that uh, it's always good to hear other voices, and we will hear one next. <laughs> our good friend Jason Vanetti, the television voice of the White Sox, will join us in our next segment. This is Inside the Clubhouse.
the very mature, classic, and wise Bruce Levine is with <laughs> us. I'm Zach Sidman. This is The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I've spoken to the commissioner directly on this matter, and and he has, in owners' meetings that I've been in, has talked to ownership about this and said it's 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 gotten to the point where it's a little embarrassing to look out in some of these meeting rooms that we have and so i know that he's trying to push that plan ahead but it takes takes ownership it takes uh, team presidents it takes general managers to really make a dent in it the voice of kenny williams on mlb network and what it tells you is baseball is committed to looking different on and off the field going forward, I think, as society begins to have the uncomfortable conversations that we needed to have publicly. There's been a lot of listening taking place, and now we'll see if there will be a lot of action that takes place going forward. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. The baseball guru at the score, Bruce Levine, is along. I'm Zach Sademan. And, Bruce, we've got one of our favorites on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. The pride and joy of Homewood Flossmoor, Syracuse University, and of course, the voice of the Chicago White Sox on television. Our good friend Jason Benetti joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great, gentlemen. How are you? We're, we're outstanding, and uh, I know that uh, you've spent your time profitably uh, during this pandemic, uh, doing what you do best, which is always reaching out and being the people person you are. Just fill us in on some of the things you've been doing uh, on Twitter and on uh, social media. Uh, yeah, thanks, Bruce. I, um, um, I uh, at the beginning of this, maybe a couple weeks in, I realized that the, the toughest part is people who couldn't be around their friends and loved ones. And so uh, I just decided one day to put out a call for people to send their notes that they wanted to send to their loved ones. And I've been reading them uh, off and on. It's been a couple of weeks since I read the last one. Um, but the, the whole point is like, it, it was very difficult when everybody was stuck inside. And I mean, a lot of people are still uh, staying in. I'm one of them just because the virus has gone anywhere, even though uh, some opening has happened. Um, it, it was it was neat to see people being willing to share their feelings and their thoughts about their uh, loved ones. And I was happy to be the conduit for that. And then in uh, more of a jokey sense uh we started doing sportscaster scenes which is where uh i rope my sportscaster friends into doing scenes from old movies and we get to look at their acting jobs including len casper who by the way was an outstanding ned ryerson from groundhog day like it was the part len was born to play somehow some way uh so that's that was that was great fun and then uh, matt spiegel and i are doing um 
a, a, a bit called uh, Good Comp, Bad Comp, where we compare Major League Baseball players to literally anything. Uh, this past week, we uh, compared old Hoss Radborn to it. Matt's comparison was like a shovel of some sort. And mine was the TV show MASH, which I think is much more of an apt comparison. So you can vote on that every week. But look, I, I'm just trying to have fun and trying to stay sane and trying to keep people connected with their loved ones. You've also had an opportunity to call some Korean baseball games over the course of the global pandemic that we're dealing with here in the United States. And I bring that up because if and when Major League Baseball resumes, in all likelihood, you're going to be calling road games off of a television monitor in some studio or your home ballpark down on the south side. What's that like? What are the challenges like calling a baseball game that other people are watching off a monitor? Yeah, I um, I've done it before at at ESPN. Uh, there have been a couple college baseball games uh, earlier on in my career that I've done from a studio, and we had a monitor wall and we were watching the game from there and once you pipe in crowd sound you can make it seem pretty normal um for this i mean the the korean baseball games are from my home um so i have a studio in my living room where i sit down and i connect with bristol and i just look into a, a zoom feed and an ipad camera and i sort of have the ability to watch the game while I'm doing the game uh, via the Zoom feed. And that's the way I look at my broadcast partner as well. And honestly, it's it's different um, because you don't have the energy coming off the person. But honestly, it's if, if, if this is what it takes for baseball to happen on television this year and everybody to be safe while doing it and not traveling a crew is safer and not traveling us is safer, I... I'm happy to do it because the, the, the fact is, if that's what it takes, like this is what's necessary to get baseball on the air. As a play-by-play announcer, you have to be a troubleshooter. You have to be somebody who can handle just about any situation thrown at you. And so, yeah, it's not ideal, but you can also see the entire game. And it's not like we're going to miss uh, – all that much as compared to the regular way of doing it. We're, we're, like, I, I wouldn't want to do it forever. Absolutely not. But the whole point is to try to makeshift uh, everything to get a season uh, out there and to be able to provide that to the fans when everybody can't go to the ballpark. So it's strange, but it's also something that you can handle. Jason, what are your thoughts about embracing uh, diversity and where baseball is at? I'm sure you're up to date on, you know, what Kenny had to say this week, certainly what Theo had to say. And uh, just diversity itself and uh, people in the world accepting that is certainly a key right now. And then baseball in its own little self. What what are your what are some of your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I mean, clearly baseball has not done a good job and, and this this comes as a as a white male 
So um, I, I think my perspective is somewhat limited in terms of the race discussion. But as somebody with a disability, I know what it is to be a minority as well. Um, I think baseball has not done a fantastic job, obviously, of cultivating um, black players. Uh, Tim Anderson is one of the few, and we talk a lot about Jackie Robinson's legacy, and we just haven't seen that many black players come through baseball in recent times. Um, I thought Kenny Williams' words were extremely poignant, and we heard uh, a little bit from Kenny on MLB Network on the way in here. But uh, I also think that it's important to note, like it's important for people who aren't in a minority to just realize that bias is a real thing. The way we describe black players of being raw and toolsy and things like that, like uh, uh, I'm guilty of it in the past and people who create scouting reports are guilty of it in the past. And I I just, it's important to know that subconscious bias and, and conscious bias are both real things. Um, and, and I would just implore everybody as they meet somebody for the first time, whether it be a black player or a, a young uh, aspiring Major League Baseball player, whatever, to, to just realize that you may have some preconceived notions of somebody based on what they look like or based on their race or based on their gender or whatever it might be that could be toxic and that's not to say automatically it's a conscious thing there are a lot of people who have subconscious biases and i'm one of them uh and and i say that because there's this there's this test called the implicit association test that a group at harvard put together and it's supposed to show you how your subconscious biases live um They put words on a screen and they put faces of people and some of the words are good and some are bad. And the speed with which you associate those with race or gender or whatever it might be uh, creates uh, your your test score for how deep your implicit bias is. And they have one for race. They have one for gender. They have one for disability as well. Mm -hmm. And when I first learned of the test when I was in law school, I took the one for disability and I had a bias against people with disabilities. And it's like, (laughs) wow, that's the height of self-loathing. But you like part of what part of what my mini crusade in my own life, in my own sphere has been is to realize that some people even when they're discriminating based on disability, and that's my specific realm that I understand best, they don't even mean to do it. Like when somebody offers me a ride or asks me if I need help or whatever it might be, uh, they do it out of kindness, but it's it's uh, kindness born in bias against disability. And so I don't understand, um, I, I, for me personally, my level of empathy for disability is larger than that of race or gender simply because that's the minority group I come from. But everybody should know that bias is real. And quite often it comes from people who don't even mean to be biased with obviously the George Floyd situation and a number of others in this country where it has led much to, to much worse outcomes than I've ever dealt with. Like I've not had my life threatened in any way. When there are, when there are black people in this country and, and a lot, a lot, a lot of them who are having to have the conversation with their sons or daughters about how to get home safely at night and how to deal with police to make sure that you don't get injured. We have gone from, you know, a a nitpicky bias 
to a bias that can kill people. And that's real. And I would just encourage everybody to listen and realize that the first thing you think about a person is not the only thing that you should think about that person. Get past the first trait and turn your brain on a little bit. Well said. Jason Benetti, the television voice of the White Sox, is our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. All right, let's talk a little baseball because Bruce and I have been going back and forth over the course of the program today. And I'm sure you've seen Bob Nightingale's report where if baseball does agree to a deal between the players and owners, uh, one of the things that we may see over the course of this shortened season is a very different look to extra inning baseball where beginning in the 10th inning there'll be a runner on second base you might be able to substitute guys into the game that were already taken out because they don't want to have these extended long extra inning games what are your thoughts about essentially using the 2020 regular season as an experimental season for the future I, I, I like it, and I like it simply because baseball's rules have evolved over the course of time more than we even give it credit for nowadays. There haven't been major rule changes as compared to what we saw in the uh, early part of the 1900s and a little bit before when teams would just show up and they'd have their, like the New York Highlanders would show up and they'd have their own rules and other teams would show up and they'd have their own rules. And then we used to have outs on balls that are caught after one bounce. And then we used to have a pitcher's box and we used to have all sorts of different things. And once we finally landed on rules, there have been fewer rule changes over the course of time, but baseball's always had an evolving rule book. And so I know uh, I, I know people don't want it to look like a shell of its former self. And, and like, we're going to pr- promise we're going to keep the bat in the ball. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I think also if you have to do certain things or you, you think that there might be rule changes, you might want to institute. Uh, if people are going to have the argument over whether or not a 60 game season, 55 game season, whatever, 68 or whatever it is, is going to be a legitimate season anyway. And I promise you, baseball fans will find a reason to be pedantic, even in the middle of a pandemic. Like, that will happen. People will have stupid arguments over things. And they're not stupid, right? We, we are stewards of the game, and they're important. It's some important that are. we... Some of them are stupid. Yeah, some of them are stupid. So, like, I, I, I find myself in these KBO games saying, saying things to my partner like, oh, did he go? Like, was that a check swing? And then having a discussion about the check swing rule. And I'm like, you know what? Can we just enjoy baseball? Can I shut up for a second? (laughs) And uh, that's how I kind of feel about all this, right? Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's an unprecedented situation in our lifetimes. And baseball fans will invariably get together to shout at each other about how stupid rules are or they aren't. I don't really want to be a part of that. I would like to watch baseball, please. And if that's what it takes to watch baseball, I'm happy to do it. Like the whole thing about the whole thing about ads on uniforms, if that's what it takes to make revenue that will get us to a finish line, and I know we're fighting the virus much more than we're fighting other things in terms of revenue, but uh, then then let's do it for a year. It's not it's not like baseball can't come back in its previous form the next year. Jason. Uh... The fine line between um, reporter and entertainer, and you've had to certainly straddle that as the uh, uh, the play-by-play voice for the Chicago White Sox. I've heard many of your games on radio where it's straight reporting and information of that game, and then your broadcast with Steve 
with some, uh, let's say, um, with respect, uh, not so entertaining games and teams that weren't competitive had to be more of the entertainment level. How, how do you how do you straddle that as a broadcaster, or does it just come natural after many years of broadcasting? Yeah, it's it's an interesting dilemma, Bruce, because I, I do think I have to do games differently when I'm working for ESPN as compared to the White Sox. I mean, with the Sox, everybody knows I grew up watching the Sox. I grew up a Sox fan, and I do the team's games. So I, I think it would be folly to think that people don't want to watch the games through the White Sox prism. There's a Royals telecast and a Tigers telecast and a Twins telecast and a Cubs telecast. You can go watch from their perspective with a click of a button on MLB TV. And so – you know, the, the the journalism part of it happens in the gathering of information and the trusting that I'm being fair. And then the entertainment part happens when, you know, when I put on the headset every day, both are a part of me. I mean, I, I went to school for broadcast journalism at Syracuse for four years uh, and you learn things there ethically, morally, about journalism that I don't think ever go away. The ability to ask good questions, the sense of fair and just and right. And then you go and be a part of a, a team broadcast and you are watching through the prism of that team. So it's an everyday sort of balancing act for me. But I also think that sometimes sports announcers do take themselves too seriously. And, and I, I, I want to take the job seriously, but not myself. And so that's sort of my aim. And sometimes you get it right. And sometimes you don't, I mean, there are always things that I'll want back and there are always things that I'm proud of. But I, I do think if, if you're in uh, calling baseball games to just be really solid and buttoned up, you're going to miss a lot of smiles you could put on people's faces. Well, the good news is if they do get underway this year, Jason, there's a really good opportunity that you could be calling some top-notch baseball this year on the South side where it looked like this off season, they kind of put all the chips in the middle of the table and you got to see a little bit of it uh, when they began spring training. This is a very different ball club than uh, the last few White Sox teams that have hit the field. Yeah, I'm, I feel very strongly that Sox fans, Sox fans who over the past you know decade or so have, have, been either disappointed or felt like the team was about to make a run like Sox fans right now I wouldn't begrudge for saying wait we had a good team and now there's a pandemic like what what have we done in a past life like what is happening here why 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 does this stuff keep happening to us uh and and I I just I I really really do hope there's a season because I do want these young players who seem to be galvanized in spring training I mean you guys have covered enough spring trainings to realize that you walk into the door in spring training and everybody's primed to write the story about how different this clubhouse feels right like that's the whole point of spring training in part I felt a different different vibe like it seems as though this group was really interested in using this year as a launching pad and a takeoff point. And I'm disappointed that they didn't get the regular run-up to the season. But I also think that that's not going away for a while because the energy that's sort of 
sparking off of this group, I don't think is going away anytime soon. So I'm, I'm excited whenever it starts, but I also think that uh, Sox fans, I'm sure are like, what, what do we got to do? Right? Like we've, we've been waiting for this year for years and now this year comes and there's like a virulent pathogen outside. It's the type of thing that you would have said a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, I bet the socks will get good. And like, I don't know, there'll be a virus or something. And here it is. <laughs> Jason, um, just, just get used to the fact that uh, Eloy Jimenez is going to hit 17 home runs and lead the American League. And uh, Lucas Giolito <laughs> will be the Cy Young Award winner with uh, seven wins. So that will be, uh, that'll be exciting in itself. Zach and I appreciate uh, not only you joining us, but the expertise and uh, the uh, entertainment value that you bring to our show. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you at a ballpark near us sometime soon. That would be a great joy. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Zach. And, uh, you know, I know Tris Speaker doesn't have the all-time doubles lead with like 15, but we might have that winning the, the doubles <laughs> crown this year. Thanks again, Jason. Jason Benetti, uh, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, uh, making our show uh, better and uh, sound a lot smarter. I know if you did it by yourself, Zach, it would be smarter, but he certainly helped my end out. (laughs) It's always fun chatting with Jason Benetti. And uh, you can tell that that education that he has, it, it came long before he started attending Syracuse University. He's been smart from the get-go. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Bruce, you had an opportunity to talk to one of the biggest names in the history of Major League Baseball and Chicago sports. Question, why isn't he still part of the Chicago sports landscape? We'll discuss next on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. If you have a chance to come back and address uh, then, it's going to be a lot of tears because having, you know, been back to Chicago in such a long time. And I really, really, really want to say so much thing to the fans, to the appreciation, uh, the support that they have for me, uh, the time that we went together. Uh, You know, it's going to be, oof, it's going to be, a very good time uh, coming back to Chicago. It will be great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it anyway. But, uh, I, you know, when I'm on me, when I'm on me come, i got to be prepared for that. You know, and the, also the fans is going to be very happy also. So let's see what happens. The words of Sammy Sosa earlier this week on the Mully and Haw Show. They were joined by you, Bruce, Monday morning, the day after the documentary the long gone summer aired the night before and the interview i thought the day after right here on the score was more compelling than the actual documentary and sammy there is talking about uh, a possible return to the cubs and wrigley field he has not been back in the ballpark since he walked out on the team during the season finale in 2004 and you wonder why it's taken so long for the two sides to make amends, get back together, and to have Sammy welcome back at Wrigley Field. I mean, we've seen Barry Bonds welcome back with open arms by the fans in San Francisco. Same thing has happened with Mark McGuire in St. Louis. Very different story on the north side and Sammy Sosa, Bruce. Well, Zach, uh, Tom Ricketts and his family uh, are pretty adamant about the fact that they want 
Sammy to be uh, come to the fans in Chicago hat in hand and admit some of the things that uh, went wrong and that he might have done during his career before he is welcome back. And that's it. Uh, Sammy hasn't uh, liked the parameters at this point, hasn't adhered to them, and uh, therefore you have the separation of the two and Sammy not being part of uh, the Chicago scene, not the uh, Cub convention, not invited back for a celebration of his career. There's never been a Sammy Sosa day. There's never been talk about retiring number 21. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of areas uh, that uh, both sides don't agree upon. And and that's that's the separation. Uh, you know, again, you can make an argument for the fans want to see Sammy and that he certainly should have his day. And on the other side, you can appreciate that uh, Mr. Ricketts and his family, uh, there's certain elements of the way that he left and some of the things that he may have done that uh, don't sit well with him and they have to be addressed. The interesting thing is for uh, nearly a decade, Sammy Sosa was the only reason to go to Wrigley Field. And, you know, I don't think the the documentary did a good job of explaining why 1998 happened. That home run chase, yes, it was super exciting. And you can make a case that it was uh, one of the major reasons that baseball was able to overcome the work stoppage in 1994 that resulted in the cancellation of the World Series. There were a few different moments uh, after uh, the the side started getting together and playing baseball again that resulted in baseball regaining its footing on the sports landscape. One was Cal Ripken uh, breaking Lou Gehrig's mark, uh, the dominance of the Yankees, their return to greatness uh, during the Derek Jeter era, the 1998 home run chase. And I think uh, over the course of this millennium, it's been the ending of the longest droughts in the game from the Red Sox winning uh, and ending the curse of the babe to the White Sox ending their long drought to the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. But it's, it's striking to me that a man like Sammy, who was as popular as anyone that has ever put on a Cubs uniform during his heyday, it's it's almost like you're trying to ignore the accomplishments. And, and I understand why they happened and they were not authentic uh, as we've as we've learned. And he has been accused. Well, uh, there was that report in The New York Times uh, yeah. that accused you him. Even though define, Zach, you have to define what authentic is. I mean, authentic is the fact that Sammy Sosa took his great talent, made himself into a 30-30 player evolved from playing for the White Sox, which that um, documentary totally ignored his career with the White Sox. Uh, A general manager in Larry Himes that traded for him not once, but twice. Uh, Him evolving into an all-star player long before he and McGuire went for the home run record. So you can't just negate uh, that Sammy might have done performance-enhancing drugs and that was the only reason he was good. That's not, that's not close. That's not no, close I think, to being right. I, 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 think yeah, what, I mean, I'm not I, saying you're saying that. Yeah. I'm saying people do a revisionist on Sammy saying, you know, it was all about the home runs. No, he, he turned himself into a complete player. 
Uh, some of his defensive skills diminished over the years, but he turned himself into an outstanding hitter thanks to the hitting coach, Jeff Pentland. So there are a, a lot of things that are missed in analyzing Sammy's career other than the home runs and the steroids. In reality, uh, I'd love to see him have his day, but um, Mr. Ricketts and his family, uh, they have a right to uh, hear what they want to hear. Uh, they were not a part of uh, Sammy's career here. They were not connected at that point in time. The Tribune was the beneficiary of uh, all of Sammy's uh, great years that he had with the Cubs. Yeah, I, I think what I was trying to say is that, Bruce, there was uh, an assault on baseball's record books. That uh, and, and this isn't just Sammy. It was that era. We saw numbers that were superhuman uh, because players uh, were enhanced. And that uh, that is what I mean when I yeah. say it's not authentic. It was definitely enjoyable. And for those of us that lived through it, man, it was as exciting as it can get. But uh, you understand that it, it wasn't on the full level, right? Yeah, you can't concentrate on Sammy and Clemens and Bonds when you got Luis Gonzalez's 57 home runs and Brady Anderson's uh, 50 home runs. So that's a subject we'll continue to get into. Uh, we have people to thank. Gary Sarge Matthews, one of our guests today, the great Jason Benetti, a part of it. Well, Zach, thank you. Thank you much. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website at 670thescore.com. Thanks for a job well done as well to our good and great producer. Adam Stutzinski. Hey, Bruce, happy Father's Day. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. I want to remind you, Rosie and Grody are next, followed by the Belmont Stakes here on The Score, 3.30 this afternoon. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.